0: Welcome to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the
1: principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be, to help you become a master of the mental game, and to help you start dominating the day.
0: how you doing this is Brian Kane with the Peak Performance Podcast and today our guest is Dr. Steve Tobman. I was first introduced to Steve when I was working as a high school athletic director in Vermont where he came into our school and did a hypnotist show and I've got to say I was absolutely mesmerized and blown away it was one of the more entertaining but also educational events that I had attended Steve did the show it was it was unbelievable to see what happened on stage but then he also explained the psychology and the mindset behind what was happening I picked up a copy of his book read it loved it Steve thanks for joining us looking forward to having you talk with us here on the podcast
1: hey Brian pleasure to be here thanks
0: Steve, if you would, can you give kind of our listeners uh, your background and story as to how you got to where you are today as one of the most sought after hypnotists in the country?
1: Sure. It's been kind of a strange and unusual uh, path, but uh, I was a chiropractor for many years. As you know, in the Burlington, Vermont area, I was the president of the Vermont Chiropractic Association. Uh, I was one of the folks who uh, helped to uh, bring about uh, parity between the chiropractic and the medical profession and get chiropractors into the hospitals and uh, get us insurance parity. So a lot of, you know, you talk about trying to uh, push through a brick wall. That was a lot of what I was doing for the time being uh, back in the day when chiropractic wasn't as well-received. Uh, but I had a big sports medicine component in my practice, and that involved a little bit of hypnosis for uh, peak performance, uh, for focus, for motivation, for quicker wound healing, and all sorts of things like that. Came to a point about um, now 15 years ago, oh gosh, more than that, almost 20 years ago, when I decided it was time to move on. I sold my chiropractic practice, took a year off, uh, traveled the country, traveled the world, came back and studied uh, stage hypnosis. Uh, Became a a staged hypnotist, uh, took that, and uh, became certified by the American Board of Hypnotherapy. Started studying the um, different elements of how hypnosis and mindfulness play into performance. What happens when our minds are clear and quiet versus when our minds are noisy. What happens when our minds are filled with negative versus positive images? And, uh, and how, do we tra- how do we change it? How do we transform it? So out of that, I ended up writing the book that you alluded to. My book is called Unhypnosis, and it's about removing the subconscious mental barriers to success, about awaking up from the programming that we've been given as, as children and, and taking charge of our own lives, taking charge of our own beliefs and our emotions, and uh, as a result, producing results.
0: Steve, talk a little bit if you would about some of the strategies that you share in your book on hypnosis. That you know the the predominant audience of people that listen to this podcast are going to be coaches, high school and college athletes. You know the the elite sales warriors that are always looking for kind of that sports motivation and mindset that they can take and use in their career. What are some of the strategies that you offer through the book on hypnosis that they might be able to take and use immediately?
1: Well, you know, first and foremost, uh, what the first thing I tell anybody who's in a performance-based field, whether it's sales or or athletics uh, or or anything else along those lines, is that you have to start by doubting the voices in your head. We say, "Don't believe everything you think." Um, if you're a if you're a coach and you're working with some kids, and you know, you get that sense of oh, uh, well, I can't do this, and all the can'ts and all that kind of negativity, uh, the, the, the first and foremost thing is to not say, yes, you can, but to challenge the very notion that the voice that tells you you can't is a real voice. So it's a, it's a matter of changing the relationship with that entire mental structure that most of us are walking around with.
0: Talk a little so a little we do, I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, we we, we take that from the perspective of uh, a three-step process. We say that anybody who's successful, anybody who's who's able to overcome their old programming and get successful, does the same three things. And we could call those things self-hypnosis. And in fact, that's really what it is. But the three things that, that you're doing, whether you're calling it hypnosis or you're calling it mindfulness or you're calling it you know your quiet time, the three things that you're doing are number one – you're getting quiet. You're finding a place where your mind isn't worrying. So it might be a walk for you or it might be doing some intense athletic activity or it might be meditation, but there's got to be some point at which you shut your mind off where, you, you know, where you're focused sufficiently on something other than your thoughts. And if you're not doing it, you're becoming a victim of your own thinking. So that's step one is, is quieting your mind, relaxing, getting in that altered state. The second one is being able to, from that state, detach yourself from the beliefs, from the from the thoughts that are holding you back. So, in fact, we, you've heard of NLP or neuro linguistic programming, Brian? Of course.
0: For sure, yeah. Anthony Robbins—that's a big part. Yeah,
1: yeah. And a lot of times, what we'll do is we'll take somebody. We'll do this on stage because it's such a dramatic demonstration. We'll take somebody who's, uh, let's say, afraid of spiders or snakes. And we'll do a process with them where we make them, uh, we put them in a very quiet place. And then, so that's step one, as I just described. And step two, we'll have them envision the thing they're afraid of in order to trigger the feeling. And then we'll turn their attention away from the thing that triggered the feeling. And we'll turn their attention toward the feeling itself. So we'll say, you know, all of a sudden, you saw a snake and now you feel fear. Stop thinking about the snake. Just start noticing what fear feels like inside of your body and so now all the attention goes inward and they then observe the feeling and have some kind of process by which they then let it go, detach from it, release it. And it could be done in a very, just like that could be done in a very symbolic way and your subconscious mind picks up on that and makes changes, you let stuff go. So that's the second step is that letting go process. And the third step is the imagination, the revisioning of what's possible. That's where you know you do the mental rehearsals of, of, of how the game's gonna play or how your sales meeting is going to go, but it differs from the way most people do it, because most people are doing it in their conscious mind, with all those negative voices playing out.
0: Talk, if you would, Steve, for for our listeners, what's the difference between the conscious and unconscious mind?
1: Well, quite simply, our unconscious or subconscious mind is the part that we're not conscious of, and it's the area of of our consciousness the area of our, our our being that that kind of operates in the background so you know i'll give you an example of that uh, i've noticed recently that sometimes a song gets stuck in my head or a, or a tune will get stuck in my head and i'll be walking my dog and i'll be walking him for you know for an hour and then you know at some point during the hour i'll notice that for the last 15 or 20 minutes i've been sw- like whistling the same stupid tune and I didn't even notice I was doing it. But when I finally noticed it, I realized it's really irritating. It's really not, it's not a great tune and it's a very repetitive tune. I'm not, but it's in there, right? It keeps on playing over and over again in my head. And in the same way, we've got thoughts or beliefs that are playing over and over again in our heads. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. This is too hard. My coach is an idiot. My, you know, my boss is a pain in the ass. Whatever it is, we've got these things that are playing the way that that whistling tune is playing in my head and we're not conscious of them. The moment you become conscious of it, it's no longer in your subconscious, it's now in your conscious mind, and you have a choice. And the more you practice taking the subconscious, the unconscious, and making it conscious, the more aware you are of all your options, the more resourceful you are, and the more powerful you are.
0: I love it. Go back and talk a little bit, if you would, Steve, about don't believe everything you think and challenging the relationship with your thought process.
1: Yeah, so 90% of the things that we're thinking are habitual. Most of our thoughts are unquestioned, repetitive, and were, ge- were generated by uh, by a four or five-year-old. So sometime in your early childhood, you developed certain patterns of thinking. You, know, you might have developed the idea that you can't do it, or if you were lucky, you developed the idea that you can do it. That's a good one to keep. But regardless, those are the thoughts that are playing in the background and that are influencing the decisions you're making. And because those thoughts are so unquestioned, we just go along with them, and we believe them to be true, because we start accumulating evidence. We as human beings are pattern making animals we like to look for patterns in things it 's our way of making sense of the world so if we have developed the belief that we 're um, you know that we're we 're second class that we 're not winners, then what 's going to happen is that everything we do is um, uh, is going to is going to influence or reinforce that belief. So you know, if you let's say you see yourself as being socially awkward or inept, and you walk into so- social situations, and you're going to be feeling socially awkward or inept, and therefore you're going to act that way, you won't know what you're doing, but somehow people are going to reject you or or kind of shy away from you, and you'll say, "You see, you see, I knew that I was socially inept." So it's that self fulfilling prophecy that comes because we haven't yet recognized that it all started with a decision we made when we were four or five years old when maybe somebody pushed us off the swings. And now everything we do reinforces this belief that we gained way before we had the wisdom to know what's worth keeping, and what's worth throwing away.
0: And you basically help go back in and go through the process of helping them get quiet, detaching themselves from the feelings or thoughts that they would have, and then imagining, imagining uh, and moving forward with a better thought process and pattern.
1: Exactly. And that's so there's the three steps right there. And what happens is what, what's rather remarkable is we can see substantial improvements in, in performance almost instantaneously. You know, I'll take this same concept and I build it into a program for, let's say, a group of uh, network marketers. And we put them into a challenge where they listen to an audio every night for 21 nights that does all those three steps. And at the end of 21 nights, we're seeing between a 28, 28 and a 48% increase in performance. Because if you think about it, every one of us is kind of like a like a racehorse in the gate. We're ready to go. We've just got to get that gate up.
0: So is it, would it be possible for you to talk through like a general uh, three-step process that coaches might be able through this podcast to share with their athletes to help them have more confidence?
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, I think that as a coach – you know, you have to realize that uh just pumping people up is temporary, right? If you're if you're in the in locker room and it's like you go, you could do it, you can do it. That's nice, but it's just it's got short term value. Like some people will keep that and run with it. Other people, if their beliefs are counter to that, you have to deal with that stuff. So what I would do as a starting point is I would I would have a quiet time. I would you know, I would say before we even get into um the motivation, let's let's just all kind of get quiet. And, you know, learn a very, very basic, simple meditation practice, something that you can do in five minutes, something that just quiets your mind. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about, you know, some new age mumbo gumbo. We're talking about a mental exercise to focus. So maybe you get everybody sitting and focusing on uh, their breath or focusing on the feeling of their butt in the seat. But you just put it out that way so that any time a thought arises, you bring it back to that point of focus. So you get out of your head and into your body that would be the first step. And then you might say, okay, let's acknowledge the fact that most of us have something might, that's in our way. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we don't think we can do it. Let's take just a moment right now while we're in this quiet state to really notice that we have those limitations. We have those feelings. And let's just embrace them. Not as if they're real, but as if they're you know just something inside of us that's in need of attention. So let's everybody just notice anything that's inside of yourself that feels like a limitation. And just Shine a little light on it and let it go. And now, once I've done that, now let's start envisioning success. And that's when I would do all the typical motivational stuff that often gets done that doesn't work as well when you haven't first quieted the mind and released the negative.
0: Hmm. Excellent. Steve, what's one misconception that a lot of people have about you know, hypnosis and, and some of that work you think that you often find in your work that you have to try to educate them on uh, that misconception so that they have the right understanding?
1: Well, the biggest thing is people think that we're, it's mind control, that you know, I'm in control of your mind if I'm hypnotizing you, and it's nothing to be further from the truth. Another is that, that you're asleep. So if you look at it, when you're in a state of hypnosis, you're actually not only not asleep, in many ways you're more awake than you are in your day-to-day life in the sense that you're, um, you're, you're deeply focused and you're able to receive information. And it's a, it's a powerful, powerful state to be in. Uh, when I have people on stage in a, in a hypnosis show and they've got their eyes closed and they're leaning all over each other, it looks like they're asleep, but they're hearing every word I say. So, that's, so it's not sleep. Now, the second thing, the idea of, of, brain, of mind control, people will never do anything in a state of hypnosis that's against their own moral or ethical beliefs. And the only way that could be possible is if there's still within them the ability to control themselves, to decide for themselves what's worth accepting, what's worth rejecting. So when you teach people hypnosis, and your ultimate goal is to teach them self-hypnosis, you need to be able to hypnotize yourself. You need to be able to get out of your habitual thinking, quiet your mind, and reprogram yourself for success. And none of those things are weird. None of them are new agey. None of them are a state of lost control. They're all Toward the end of making you in more control of what's possible for you.
0: You know, it's amazing. I, I remember one show I was at the high school while I was working at and saw you speak the first time. You had a gal on stage. And um, you know, said, "Hey, when I say like the color blue, you look in the back and see this guy in a you know purple shirt with a tie, which was me sitting in the in the, in the back row, uh, and you see it, and it's Justin Timberlake, and you can't control yourself. You get excited, and you run up, and you're you know uh, sitting on his lap and giving him a big hug. And you know, a minute later, you said the word blue, and this girl pops up from sitting down and sprints over to where I am sitting next to him, sitting next to my girlfriend at the time sits down on my lap and is, and is convinced that I'm Justin Timberlake. It was one of the most uh, awkward but also unbelievable things I'd ever seen at, at one time because then you said like a word I think to get her out of that state and she's like oh my god it's Mr. Kane what's going on here this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life why am I sitting on your lap and it was, it was hilarious and at that moment I'm like when you snapped your fingers or whatever it was you said to take her out of that out of that play or that state uh, you could almost see her face change and it was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen.
1: Yeah, when you're when you're the guy that's being uh you know being uh, uh, targeted, <laughs> you really see it. I mean, you can see it on her face how real it was to her, and it's it's absolutely mind-boggling. And that's a perfect example of, of what I was talking about because I do that same routine in pretty much every show. Now, granted, not every guy I target uh, looks as much like Justin Timberlake as you do
0: i love it thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) but 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 there's a there's a variety of responses and it's it's the variety of responses that girls have to that little routine are directly related to their personalities and what what's reasonable for them to do so you know that girl she was the kind of girl who if she saw justin timberlake she probably would run all the way up to him and jump in his lap classic Twice. Right, but then I've got other girls who'll go up and they'll just sort of stand in front of them and act very shy. I've had girls faint in front of their their Justin Timberlake or whatever it was, and um, it's it's amazing that what we believe creates our entire reality, right? What we believe. So if you could take one of your um, you know one of your students, one of your athletes, and have them believe that they are unstoppable. Well, they're going to be unstoppable because 90, 99% of the time, the only thing that's making them stoppable is what's going on between their ears.
0: You know, there's a UFC fighter right now who just uh, just won the 145-pound title. His name's Conor McGregor. Uh, and one of the things, you know, that, that Conor – Talks about is is the law of attraction, and that if you can believe it in your mind, and you you can feel it in your heart, and you have the courage to speak it out loud, that it will become true. And the law of attraction was made famous years ago by you know Rhonda Byrne and her book and documentary The Secret. What's your take on the law of attraction, and that thoughts become things, and what you put out there you attract yourself?
1: I think it's I think it's a useful model uh, in many cases, and in some cases it's not useful because there's a piece missing. Um, first of all, it gets it gets kind of wrapped up in a very magical uh, uh, veneer that you know somehow you know the universe you know comes together and cooperates and makes things happen for you. And I, I'm not going to say that that's true or not true, but it's not the point. Uh, the point is that you are going to operate based on your foundational beliefs. So if let's say you're uh, you're a salesperson. And uh, you have the inner conception that you're a $35,000 a year salesperson. And that's your belief and you're living that belief. Well, what's going to happen if you have a really incredible first quarter? You're probably going to pull back the second quarter. There's going to be some kind of subconscious uh, you know, way in which you bring yourself back to your own self-image. So it's very hard to outgrow your own self-image. That doesn't mean it's magic the way a lot of people look at the law of attraction, but it does definitely indicate that your thoughts do affect your outcomes. Now, the reason that the law of attraction sometimes fails people is that they haven't yet really discovered what they are thinking. You know, so, so I say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up every morning. I'm going to say, you know, I'm a winner. And somehow I'm going to to make a million dollars and somehow I'm going to make a million dollars this year. The universe is going to reward me with a million dollars. And a lot of the uh, law of attraction teachers almost make it sound like that's how it works. But that's not how it works. What happens is, you know, if you wake up in the morning and say, "I'm, I'm a millionaire, I'm going to be a millionaire. If, in fact, you believe that in the deepest recesses of your being, you're probably going to operate like a millionaire. You're going to probably do the things that millionaires do and you very likely will succeed. If, on the other hand, you're just reciting it like a mantra while inside you don't believe it, all the words in the world and all the quote-unquote thoughts in the world aren't going to get you there. So this is where all that subconscious stuff becomes very important. That's where, you know, if the law of attraction isn't working for you, it's probably because you're mentally blocked and you're continuing to believe something in contrast to what you're putting out there.
0: Fascinating stuff, Doctor Steve. And, and for the listeners that want to get more, the the book is Unhypnosis by Doctor Steve Taubman. Is it available on Amazon?
1: It is. The best way to get it though is if you go to my website, uh, which is uh, stevetaubman.com. dot um, And if you if you get, head over to my website, uh, on the bottom of the of the homepage is a, um, a form that will take you over to what I call the mindfulness assessment. We like to assess people's level of mindfulness because it's their level of self-awareness and acceptance. It has a lot to do with your success level. So it's a little quiz you can take, and it's free, and you learn a little about yourself. And when you do that, it actually, uh, I think, sends you a discounted coupon for the book as well. So that's probably the best place to start. Uh, all of my all of my resources, my books, and whatnot are there in the store on my website, and you can get more information there as well
0: and if people want to follow you on social media, do you have a Twitter or Facebook page?
1: I do have a Facebook page um, which I've got a couple of them i it's steve Steve Taubman, uh, and there's also dr. Steve Taubman, uh, which I should be putting more effort into, but I haven't been uh, best best thing to do is if you sign up on the website you'll then be um, on my mailing list, and there's also a, um, a blog page, and you could uh, read my periodic blogs.
0: Fantastic. Dr. Steve, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate you joining us here on the podcast.
1: Great being with you, Brian. You take care.
0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Potential Apparel. Potential Apparel is on a mission to inspire athletes to reach their true potential. If you're serious about reaching yours, then you have to go check them out. They make awesome clothing for dedicated and committed athletes. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, and that's why I wear their clothing with pride. Make a statement and join the movement today at potentialapparel.com. Be sure you use promo code Brian Kane with a space between Brian and Kane for fifteen percent off on your first order. Dominate the day with Potential Apparel. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak. Podcast. Podcast. Please make sure that you visit com. That's B R I A N C A I N.com and sign up for my Monday message, where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you can use to master the mental game. You can also contact me my website on our contact us page and see my calendar of where i'm going to be in the country and when i'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day this is a production of corn belt sports the brian kane peak performance
1: podcast is part of the top coach network